Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Have you, uh, if you've got your Bible, let's turn to Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to preach where uh, I'm not going to preach long. I know I always say that, shut up. Um, but uh, I'm going to share a, a couple things for you. And then uh, we do have baptisms today where uh, I think it's 30-odd, is it 30-odd people? Um, we're baptizing today. Um, which is uh, awesome. So uh, we're going to be doing that after the, uh, after the service. If you're visiting, I want you to feel welcome while everyone's turning in your Bibles. Exodus chapter 14, I'm going to be at. But if you're visiting, I want you to feel welcome. I don't want you to feel um, like you, are, you know, are not connected, like you don't belong. Even if you're not a believer, maybe you're not a faith person, um, you don't believe in Jesus or whatever. We have numbers of people that attend. Um, that, that are yet to, to believe in the Lord. And that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. I love that, that people still feel, you know, they can come. And uh, I think it's amazing that you, you, are, you know, are, are here. And so I want to celebrate, uh, celebrate you and, and let you know that we love you and we're grateful for you. Whenever we have baptisms, there's always different people that come, family members, friends. And uh, so we want you to feel, uh, feel welcome. All right, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to share something, a, a portion of a story. And, and then we're gonna, I'm going to share um, a couple thoughts for you or a couple points surrounding one thought, if you like. Last week, if you were not here last week, raise your hand. Let's shame some people in the room. If you were not in church last week, come on, do it loud and proud, all of those people. I'm not sure you're going to get to heaven, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to pray and, and just believe that God will let you slide in the back door maybe, but but, um, but listen, if you were not here last week, we started um, somewhat of a series um, talking about seasons. And, and we, we jumped into the conversation, unpacking a little bit of how relevant different seasons are to our life um, and how each season has a specific purpose. Um, and each season, um, not just in our life, but in our walk with God, um, is so important for us as believers um, to know how to navigate seasons. Um, and we talked about the importance of perspective last week. That perspective is not what I see, but it's the way I see it. And, and we can be facing the same thing, you and I, but, but if you're looking at it from a perspective of doubt and unbelief, you'll see something different. And if I'm looking at it from a perspective of faith, I'll see something different. And, and it's so important for us to be reminded of that. And we asked ourselves the question, what do I see? What do I see? And whenever we're going through any season of life, we need to be asking ourselves that because every season has a spiritual element to it. And if I'm not, if I'm not opening and conscious to open the eyes of my spirit, I may miss something in the spirit that God's trying to reveal to me because I'm looking at it from a perspective of the flesh. And when I'm looking at something from a perspective of, a, of the flesh, I may miss what God is trying to show me in the spirit. 
And, and, and that's what we talked about. And so if you want, you can catch up and you can check that out on, uh, on YouTube and, and other different outlets that we have to keep you up to date with the different uh, sermons. But today I want to look at something um, and we're going to share a portion of a, st- of a story. Um, and it's in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to read from verse 10. Have you got it in front of you? Here we go. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid of the children of Israel, cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? So they're freaking out and they're saying to Moses, what are you doing, bro? Like, you brought us out. I mean, they didn't call him bro. That's, that's my interpretation. But they're looking at Moses saying, you brought us out here. You messed this thing up. We should have died back where we were because of the perspective they had. And let's keep reading. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better of us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, shut up. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. <laughs> I, was, I was just making sure that you're with me. <laughs> and that's probably what I would have said. But. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, but stand still. Say stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. I'm not going to preach on it, but I think that is a great word for us right now in this day and age. That if ever something should resonate within the hearts of believers, it's something as simple as don't get rattled, don't get frantic, don't get anxious, don't be in stress, stand still. Stand still and believe that God is good. Stand still and declare that God's hands upon you. Stand still and receive the peace of God. Don't, don't let what's going on around you dictate what you're going to believe and what you're going to declare. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. That's good, isn't it? That's, I could go home happy just on that little word. The Lord will fight for you. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. I love the last, that last verse. Well, I've got a love-hate relationship with it. Because if you look at the severity of the situation, it's bad, Okay. The children of Israel have left Egypt. The Egyptians now change their mind, right? They're coming after them. Okay, so they can't go back. In their mind, the guy that led them out doesn't have a clue what he's doing because he's led them the wrong way, right? Let's look at it from their perspective. So they can't go back. The joker that's, that's got the wheel doesn't know what he's doing. And now they can't go forward because they're in front of the Dead Sea. The Red Sea, I'm sorry. 
So they can't go back. They, they can't go forward. They can't go left. They can't go right. They're about to die. This thing is a mess. An absolute mess. As far as they can see, this is where the story ends. It's all over. And, but I want you to look at God's response, right? What does God say? In verse 15, so Moses goes to God and he's like, hey, like, what's up? You know, what should we do? And, and, and God says to Moses, what are you coming to me for? Then God has the audacity, if I can dare say it, to respond and tell these people in the midst of the mess that they're in and the options that they don't have, God says, well, are you coming to me? Just keep going. Just move forward. Look at how simple, how simple God looks at this situation and the simple instructions that he gives them by faith, just move forward. Do you know how powerful it is when you make a decision in your life to just keep going by faith? Do you, I know it's not, listen, I know it's not complicated, but do you know how powerful it is when you wake up in the morning and say, you know what? You know what? I've decided that I'm just going to keep going. I've decided, I've decided that I'm just going to keep believing. I've decided I'm going to keep worshipping. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep declaring. I'm not going to get rattled. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go left. I'm not going to go right. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to keep moving forward by faith and believe that God is ordering my steps, even when it makes no sense and even when it looks hopeless. Look at someone say, just move forward. Just move forward. Sometimes the best advice we can have is so simple. We complicate serving God. We complicate it. This was a complicated situation. But God gave them a very simple instruction. Just move forward. I'll go before you. I'll fight your battles. And so often God, it doesn't seem like God's fighting our battles because we're in the way trying to fight it for Him. Do you know how much God does not need our help? I hate to break your heart and I know you're great at what you do and you're a very nice person, but, but it's, it's an important reminder and it's very sobering that, that God doesn't really need our help that much. He's pretty good at what He does. You know what he needs is just our obedience. Just do what I'm telling you to do. But do it by faith. If it made sense to do, it wouldn't require any faith. Just move forward. Doesn't make sense. Move forward where? Where where we no no no. I I, I just told you to move forward. And if you knew where, 
you wouldn't need any faith to do it. So the only where I'm going to give you is forward. Little did they know that one of the greatest miracles that would happen in Scripture was about to take place before their very eyes. What's waiting for you on the other side of just moving forward? What does God want to do in and through your life that will absolutely blow your mind if you would just make a decision to move forward? But nonetheless, we find them in this difficult situation. As we look at seasons and we're talking about seasons, we identified last week that sometimes seasons in our life, to just say it plainly, sometimes they suck. Sometimes we go through a season that is not what we would have wanted, not what we would have chosen and not what we could have imagined. And sometimes we can be, we can find ourselves in a season much like the situation that these Israelites are in, where the option to go back is not realistic. The option to move forward as much as we talk about it and we believe in it is difficult to walk out. Left and right are off the table. And we find ourselves in a season that we would describe it just simply by saying, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And, and, and that's really what I want to share, I want to talk about today in relation to seasons. It's, it's surrounding that, that phrase that I think if we're all really honest, we've probably definitely thought before, if not said before, maybe you feel like you're in it right now in some area of your life or another, but you feel like you're just stuck. Out of options. Tried everything. God, I've done the stuff I'm supposed to do, but I'm still stuck. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm stuck where I am. Maybe it's in your family, you're stuck with your kids out of options, not sure what to do. Maybe it's in your marriage, you're not sure what to do, out of options, too difficult, the battle hasn't changed, you're stuck, you're stuck in the business, you're stuck in your singleness and you don't know what to do and you believe that God has a spouse for you but nothing's eventuating and, and you just, you would describe it like that, I'm stuck. There's so many times in my life where I've just felt just stuck. And so what I want to do is I want to give us quickly, I'm not going to preach for long, I promise, but I want to give you a couple of today's questions. It's questions to ask yourself when you feel stuck. But I need to preface this message by simply articulating what I said. And this is what I want you to understand as a foundation for this message, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and your life is surrendered to Him, being stuck is a mindset, not a reality. Because when we say, I'm stuck, I almost told the team to reword the, the message and, and to call it, I feel stuck. 
because that really is more accurate. But we need to be reminded as we unpack these different thoughts that will help and equip you for seasons of life when you feel like this, we need to preface it by establishing that being stuck, if Jesus is in your heart and your life is surrendered to Him, is not a reality, it's just a mindset. Because God, you can do all things according to Scripture through Christ who gives you strength. So we have to be very careful about what we speak out of our mouth because sometimes what we declare can become our reality. And if we're not careful to take authority over our situation and change the narrative by speaking something different and quit saying, I'm stuck. And it's okay to say, I feel stuck because now we can deal with what you feel and what you think, not the reality of where you are. Because there was no situation there could have felt more stuck than this. But as we began the sermon with what seemed so, where they seemed so stuck, the solution really was so simple. God said, just move forward. So I want to give you a couple things that I just want you to write down. And these are little questions. Questions to ask yourself when you feel stuck when I feel stuck because I never am really truly stuck because with God all things are possible and I either believe it or I don't so we're going to deal with the mindset and the feeling of being stuck the first thing that I want you to ask yourself and these are simple and they're basic but they're going to help you First thing I want you to ask yourself is really important. Is he my strength? Is he my strength? I find seasons, each season requires me to adjust my settings. Have you ever got like a a new car? And and did you know this, that you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot, but... Do you know that there's a setting in the car that you can, you, can, you can set the position of the seat and the steering wheel and there's little settings. So when you get in, you press one and it'll adjust it to you. And then setting number two. Don't look at me like I'm a moron. Ra- raise your hand if you did not know that. Okay, right. I did not know that. I- I'm, not, I'm not very tech, tech savvy. Um, and, and the little buttons down here, like the one, two, three, I've always wondered what that was. But you can, you can actually set the car when you get in it and you can push the, and it'll, 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 ch- okay, right. L- don't look at me like that, all right? I, I was not fully aware. But when you get a new car, you've got to adjust the settings. And do you know it's like that when it comes to the things of God and the seasons in your life? That knowing God as your strength, as the source of your strength, when you got saved, that was good for that season. But as you step into new seasons, you've got to go to deeper levels in your understanding of the things of God. And I've found for my life, just when I feel like I know Him as my strength, I step into another season 
and God will ask me. And I've been, now, I've been doing ministry full time now for 17 years. And sometimes God will ask me questions that I'm offended by. And I'll be in a season and I'm believing for things and, and doing that and working and going through challenges and fighting devils and pleading the blood and praying and doing all these things and praying in tongues. And God sometimes will just stop me and say, hey, Ben, do you trust me? And I'm like, oh, God, I mean, oh, Pastor Ben, we are talking? Oh, I can't believe that you would ask me. But if I'll actually stop and listen to what he's saying and open my heart to it, to be honest with you, I'm reminded in those moments that maybe I did trust him yesterday, but I'm struggling to trust him today. And maybe the battle that I faced in the last season I trusted him with, but the battle I'm facing in this season I'm struggling with. And he asks me a question to invoke a conversation to try and pull out of me the real me, the real me. Because I'm really good at presenting to God the spiritually strong religious me. And he'll ask me these questions and he'll say, Ben, am I really your strength? And initially I'll start and I'll come back with, of course, God. And then he'll say, Ben, I feel like God will say, look at me. Am I your strength? And then it's in those moments that it breaks in a second, like only the Holy Spirit can do, the religious facade that I put on. And that's broken in a second in his presence. And I come to you and I come to him and I say, God, I did yesterday, but today is hard. And it's only in those moments when I bring him the real me, the messed up we, me, the weak me, that I really then connect with the perfection of his power because his power is only made perfect, not in the presence of the religious altogether me. His power is made perfect in the weak version of me. And that's why it's so good to ask ourselves sometimes the simple things. And so often I'll have people and they'll talk about learning the deep and understanding this and understand that. And I think, bro, I think it's amazing. And I'm all about it. I love it. I study God's word every day, but I've had more revelations from going back and revisiting the simple things in my walk with God, but just on a deeper level and learning what it is to trust in God again. Trust in Him again. And when I feel stuck, it's a great opportunity to ask myself, is He my strength? Is He my strength? It's such a great opportunity to ask that because when I'm stuck, I feel like there's no options. When I'm stuck, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. Often when you're stuck, everything else in life has let you down. That's why you feel stuck. And I don't know about you, but I've, uh, the way I, I'm just wired, I always have to learn things the hard way. Remember when you were a kid and your parents would say, there's two ways we're going to do this, the easy way or the hard way. I always knew which way I was going to pick. And I think my parents did too. 
but it's just how I am. And I don't know about you, but when I go through challenges and I go through difficulties, I'll try everything else to give me strength. I'll try other people. I'll try promotions. I'll try success. I'll try my, all of the different things I can pull on and all of the strings that I can grab to that society says will give you strength. And some of them do for a moment, but it's only fleeting. And then I find myself again caught in that same place where I feel stuck after trying everything in my own effort. And God looks at me and says, okay, you're done now. And he says, do you trust me? And I say, okay, God, I do again. I do again. And then I say to myself, Ben, you idiot. Why did you go through that same thing again? Because you went through this thing last season. It's just how I learn. I have to learn the hard way. And you know what will probably happen? I'll step into the next season of my life and face another challenge and another difficulty. And then I'll feel stuck again. And then I'll try everything else to get my strength and then I'll get back to that place again of humility before God and I'll say, God, I need you again. Help me again. Be my strength again. Welcome to walking with the Lord. This is what it is. So when you feel stuck, it's so good to ask yourself, is he my strength? Is he my strength? When all else fails, is he my strength? When everybody else lets you down, is he your strength? When the bank account dries up and the business is not what doing what you thought it would do, is he your strength? When the marriage goes a direction you couldn't possibly ask, think or imagine, is he your strength? When you're going through things with your kids and you don't know what to do and you're out of options, is he your strength? Revisit the question David said in Psalm 28 and verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in him. My heart trusted in Him. Sometimes I catch myself trusting in Him with my head, not my heart. Is He my strength? I love the words of Paul. I love how he puts it. Philippians 4 and verse 10. Philippians 4 verse 10, he says here, But rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you care for me, for your care as me has flourished once again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. This is Paul in prison. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned that in whatever state, or you could say in whatever season, I've learned to be content. How is Paul able to be in prison? It's like he doesn't get it, you know? It's like, bro, like, look at where you are, man. Like, reality check, this is bad. Paul's like, put me in any season. I'm content. How is Paul content? Because he knows what it is to trust in God. He knows what it is to trust in God. When you're feeling stuck, you trust him. The second thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down this other question that I want you to take with you. That's really good to ask when you're feeling stuck is, am I growing? Am I growing? Because often the environments that we feel the most stuck in are the environments that are most conducive to our growth. Because growing is not easy. And so whenever we get in environments that are difficult, a good question to ask yourself that encourages you 
is, am I growing? Because if your answer to the question, am I growing? So if I was to say to you, are you growing? So are you different to where you, who you were last year? And if your answer is yes, then remember, stuck is a feeling. If your answer is yes, you may not be as stuck as you realize. You may just be moving through the season slower than you want. But just because it's happening slower than you want and you're not stepping into the season that you so desire, the goal is not the next season. The goal is to grow where you are. And if if you want to unlock the next season, grow yourself out of the season you're in. So when you feel stuck, if you want to encourage yourself, simply ask yourself, you know what? Am I growing? Am I seeking the Lord? Is God showing things to me? Is my character growing? Is my integrity, am I, am I becoming more integrous? Am I becoming less insecure, less dependent on people's approval or more, more dependent upon God's approval? And if your answer to these questions is, yeah, I am, then I would suggest that you're not stuck. I would suggest you're exactly where you need to be. The story of Daniel, when Daniel was incredibly promoted, I mean, in a second, In an evil time, with an evil king, this Hebrew boy is promoted like that in a second. And I want you to look at this, Daniel 6 and verse 3. It says, Daniel distinguished himself. Daniel was set apart. He stood out to the king from everybody else. Daniel in a second stood out. Why did he stand out? Shows us in the next few words. Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. An excellent spirit. That word spirit is the Hebrew word roach. It's it's the same word that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, it says the spirit of God hovered. So because it's saying here, what it's saying is what set Daniel apart was not because he was the most gifted, not because he was the most connected, not because he was the, had hustled the most, not because he was the best at what he did or the greatest leader, but simply to paraphrase it, Daniel stood out because he was the most like Jesus. And when he got to that place where his spirit, his roach, his his internal person of who he was, was excellent. His character was excellent. In the season he was in, God said, you know what? I see where you are and I see how you've grown. Now watch me open a door for you in a second. Simply because you grew where you were. How quick are we to rush 
into the next season that we're not ready for only to find it fail and then wonder what happened because we missed the opportunity for growth where we are right now because we felt stuck. Single people in this room that feel stuck where you are in your singleness, one of the best things I can tell you, and I think every married person in this room would agree, grow where you are. It'll make you better for where you're going. Am I growing? David, David is anointed king. We know the story in front of his brothers. Youngest brother. He's brought before his other brothers. Lines all up, uh, all the other dudes up. Prophet's like, no, nope, not you. No, nope, not you. No, nope, not you. You look good, but it's not going to work. Not you. Not you. Not you. You got anyone else? They say, yeah, there's a little rat out in the field. He's a nobody though. Let's go get him. He walks in and says, that's the dude. Anoints him king. Then he spends the next portion of his life surrounded by nothing that resembles kingship or royalty at all. Not by way of an opportunity to step into something. The next portion of his life involves sheep and worshipping God with a harp and killing bears and lions with a sling and delivering Uber Eats to his brothers (laughs) on a battlefield. Don't tell me that David didn't feel stuck. Don't tell me there were not moments when he's out there in the field just saying, God, I I just feel like I'm just feeling stuck. I'm feeling, I don't get it. I don't get it. You anointed me king. My brothers are all fighting. I'm so far from that. I, I don't. What did he do? He just grew where he was. And he became a great worshiper. And he learned how to kill lions and bears and he listened and submitted to his dad, which was his authority. And because he grew where he was, when opportunity came, what was the first thing? The moment that David stepped into the presence of the king was actually not when he defeated Goliath, if you read the story. It was before that when the king was being tormented by an evil spirit. And what happened? The king was being tormented by an evil spirit. So he gathers his, 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 his dudes around him, calls a little comedian. He's like, what are we going to do with this joker? You know, he's messed up in his head. And one guy puts up his hand and says, I've seen a kid in the season that God had him. When he felt stuck, I seen a kid out in the field worshipping, growing. And because he was growing where he was, this man raised his hand and said, I seen this kid in the field and he was worshipping, playing the harp. We should bring him forward. And then they, he brought him forward and then he came forward and he ministered to Saul. And then because David just kept growing, Staying where he was, not pushing a season that he wasn't ready for. He was able to submit to his dad. Don't tell me that was easy to do. I would have kicked and clawed and fought back. You want me to deliver lunch to the jokers that I'm meant to lead one day? I was anointed king and you got me out here with a sheep and you're telling me to take lunch to these guys? That would have been us. I would have said, tell them make their own lunch. 
Not David. Why? Because David said, even though I feel stuck, I'm going to grow. And I'll never be in authority until I learn what it is to come under authority. And sometimes coming under authority is so difficult when it comes to things that seem so simple. And his dad said, David, come here. Why don't you take those to your brothers? And David grew with that little task that he was given. He was faithful with the faith with little, his faith with much. And he grew not knowing, carrying their loaves and bread, not knowing, not knowing, making those steps. Don't tell me David did not feel stuck. Delivering lunch to the very brothers that forgot him, that David was anointed king over. And there he is holding this lunch taking steps down the road, probably feeling more stuck than he ever had felt in his whole entire life. Humiliated, hopeless. This is what my life has amounted to. Little did he know that every step that he took was one step closer to his destiny and his purpose. Oh God, I'm so grateful for David that he didn't allow the feeling of stuck to cause him to turn around. Oh, bro, I think I would have turned around. I hate to tell you, but I just humbled himself all the way to the battlefield, humbled himself along the road, did not let the simplicity and the basic nature of what he was being asked to do in the season he was in, still the faith that he had in his spirit, so much so that when he got to that battlefield, even though he was holding some cheese sandwiches, he still had vision that looked up and saw something. And he said to the warriors, why are you letting this dude Speak to the people of God like that. I know I'm just an Uber Eats boy with a cheese sandwich, but God's got something great on my life. And even though this is my season now, I see where He's called me to go because I've got a right perspective and I want to know who's going to fight this giant. Not knowing, not knowing, David didn't know. He felt stuck. But he kept growing. Where has God got you? What has God got you doing right now? Right now. Grow. I know what it is to just work on your character and just grow. I was a 19-year-old that dug sewer trenches for a living in Outback Australia. You don't know hard work, bro until you have dug sewer trenches by hand in Outback Australia. Not knowing, thinking, have I messed up so bad that my calling's over? And I backslid and lived a life so far from God and finally got saved went back to work the next day with shovel in my hand, hot sun on my back, just digging a hole, looking at the dirt, wondering, I wonder, don't get me wrong, I remember that first day back, I was just, God, I feel just clean, saved. But inside me, there was this little, I wonder if God, I wonder if I haven't run so far from God that maybe God will still use me and do something. Maybe, maybe. 
do something great through me. I remember thinking it. I remember that first week of being saved when all the dudes, you know, some rough dudes out there sitting around the morning lunch break. They used to call smoko break because it's when they all go and have a smoke. And I remember grabbing that my little cooler like lunchbox thing and taking it around the side. And someone had given me this tiny little little Bible. I had it in my lunchbox and I remember sitting there on that little cooler that had my lunch in it where no one was. And I remember just opening up the Bible and just reading the Bible, not knowing that one day those verses that I was reading in that moment that I was growing, that I would one day preach on a stage on the other side of the world to a crowd of people, not knowing. Where has God got you? And are you growing? Because if you're growing, keep growing. God will open the right doors when you're ready. The last point, I'm not going to preach for time, but I'm going to get you to write it down. And then the last question is, have you settled? Don't settle. Don't get comfortable. Blind Bartimaeus was sitting by a roadside amongst other blind men because that was the custom of the day. We don't read anything else about any other blind man. It's interesting to me that I would have thought the story would say, blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. And then when he called out, other blind men also called out. But they didn't, it was what he did was so out of the ordinary that there were no other dudes that were even prepared to follow him. And sometimes if you want to unsettle yourself, requires getting uncomfortable as well. And blind Bartimaeus calls out. And the people that are with Jesus are like, bro, chill. But there was no chill in him, not that day. Because he made a decision, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. Don't settle. Don't settle. Keep growing. Keep believing. Keep declaring. In Genesis, Terah, who is Abram's father, the Bible says that they set out and the initial plan was they would set out, the verse says, on a journey to the land of Canaan. That was said, they had set out with a vision to go to the promised land. But it says that they came to a place called Haran. It says when they came to a place, they set out to go to the land of Canaan, they came to Haran and they dwelt there and they stayed there. So the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died. Where did he die in Haran? Why? Because Haran was a place of comfort and he settled in a place of comfort and that's where he stayed. The biggest challenge facing us in the Western culture 
is not more often than not the crazy temptation of the enemy to go off and live this crazy life and move to Vegas and never come home. The greatest temptation that we face is the temptation to settle for what's comfortable. That's what it is. But if you want the next season for your life, some of you are going to have to do things that are uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Some of you have got to forgive people. And forgiving, when you've been, I mean, it's one thing to forgive someone that you've had a little tiff over, a little fight, a little whatever. But when you've got to forgive someone to a point where it makes you, it rips your heart out, that's uncomfortable. Some of you, it's breaking out of the religious mindset that has kept you bound. But it's, it's just what you're used to. God is, God is drawing some of you to, to a depth of your walk with Him that is uncomfortable. And it's, it's what you do with it depends on whether you'll receive from it or not. Uncomfortable worship. Uncomfortable prayer. It's uncomfortable sometimes getting honest with God. It's uncomfortable because we've got to just deal with all the crap that we have in our heart that we keep from Him like we think He doesn't see it anyway. For some of you, it's, it's, it would be attending a small group. That would be uncomfortable because you just don't like people. I get it. Sometimes I don't like people and I'm a pastor. I'm paid to like people. But, but it's the nature of God and it's the heart of God to use people to help grow us. And maybe the people that you feel most uncomfortable with are the ones that are going to help you grow the most. Because they won't let you get away with the stuff that you would normally get away with. Don't stay here. Don't settle. God's got something great for you. You believe that? Right across the room. Dying, dying to ourselves again is one of the most uncomfortable things that we can do. And when we make that decision to say, you know what? I'm going to die to myself again. And any situation that you face, any battle, anything that you deal with that requires you to have to die to self again is a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise. With every head bowed and every eye closed right across this room, God, I thank you for every person here. Lord, you know where people are at. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. I thank you, Lord, that you ordered people's steps to be here. God, you know what is happening in people's hearts right now. As your word has gone out, Lord, that there are things happening in people's hearts. The Holy Spirit, you're doing things, Lord, that are 
not even what I've preached. It goes so far beyond that. God, I pray right now, Lord, that people would be, the, the people would be encouraged to respond to you in the way that you are asking them to. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that perhaps does not know you. Lord, that they would be drawn to a greater understanding that you have a plan and purpose for their life and they will never be truly fulfilled until they surrender their life to you. And right now in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know it. I know that there are people in this room that you do not, you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. I felt it when I greeted you this morning when I first got up and I welcomed people. I felt the Holy Spirit say there's people here that don't know me. And I cannot close this sermon without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus. There's someone here in this room you needed to hear part of my testimony. And you needed to hear me say that I had to believe that I hadn't gone so far that God could not still restore me. Because there's people in this room that you feel like you have gone too far to turn around. But I believe right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right where you are seated now, saying, if you will just turn, if you will turn from those ways, if you will turn from that lifestyle, if you will turn from that addiction, turn from that sin, you will find me right there because I never left you. I was with you. I was with you in the worst of the worst. I was with you when you were doing your worst stuff on your worst day. I was still there just waiting for you to choose me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.